Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande. Morning. Welcome. So uh, we began our discussions last night on the, at Saragrahi. And um, as I mentioned there, this year uh, differs from the other uh, previous years in which we've gathered here in the spring in that in previous years we gathered around a sacred occasion, um, in particular the... Uh, Nishinga uh, Chaturdasi, or the, the celebration of the uh, avatar, Nishinga avatar. But this year there was no, uh, we, we didn't organize it like that. And that day changes every year, so it's calculated by the moon and so forth. So it's a moving moving date. <laughs> and so the, the, the uh, organizers of the festival here uh, Dulal Chandra and Bhakti Rasa, they, in consultation with others, thought it best to uh, fix the dates um, in, for on, in an ongoing sense for our spring and fall festival. So, um, I guess they'll be sending out some information about that. But um, that said, uh, it... Uh, the festival just does happen to coincide with the publishing of our new book. So it's a, it's a holy uh, event, <laughs> uh, as it turns out. And so without having planned any particular discussion, we began speaking about about the book. Hmm. And, and here, again, here is the book. It's entitled Sacred Preface, Sacred Preface, which is kind of odd in a way. I'll say something about the title, but uh, let me say something about the cover art. Yeah. See, I told you to come close, so there's a reason for that. I don't bite, and it's a good picture to <laughs> look at more closely. So this is uh, an uh, artistic depiction of... Um, Krishnadas Kaviraj, the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He's seated at the Radhakund, hmm. sacred uh, lake. It represents uh, Radha in the uh, uh, Gaudiya tradition. And uh, at the base of a tamal tree that is embraced by a, uh, like a champaklata, like a golden vine. So in the po- in the poetry in the kavya, hmm, dealing with uh, the uh, divine leelas of Radha and Krishna, these uh, the tamal tree, which is uh, I don't think it grows anywhere, <laughs> but it, but in Vrindavan it's a dark tree. It's often um, its image is often invoked um, as um, uh, representative of. Of Krishna, which of course means dark and 
and he has dark complexion. It's invoked in the context of the madness, if you will, of the divine love of Radha for Krishna, who um, it said, in union there is one Krishna, and in separation there are millions of Krishnas. So anything that resembles him in some way, her bhava causes her to see him in that. So she often sees the tamal tree and mistakes it for him. And then she, the golden-complected Taptakanchana Godangi, golden-complected Radha, embraces the dark tamal tree like this vine here is golden and embracing the tamal tree. So they are representative, if you will, in the in the poetic language, sacred poetry describing the leelas of Radha and Krishna. The two, the lata, the vine, and the tree are representative of Radha and Krishna. Krishna in the embrace of Radha. And that just happens to be what Ch- Krishna Das here is writing about in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? He's writing about it in a very at a very old age. He doesn't look too old here, but he doesn't look too young either. And that's kind of the idea in the uh, artistic rendering. Um, to render the Leela and the uh, figures in the Leela um, to be human-like, but old but young at the same time, <laughs> something like that. Um, so, um, <clears throat> Christian Vaskaviro is sitting at Radhakund. He was quite old at the time, as he describes himself in the book, and writing about not only Radha and Krishna, but how it is that that his his deity, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is the combined form of Radha and Govinda. Hmm. Rasaraj Mahabhav Duyekarup. Hmm. Two, the, the prince of love, hmm. Krishna, the perfect object of love, and Radha, the perfect vessel or embodiment of love combined. Hmm. So a very uh, esoteric uh, subject, and... Um, And the book here is entitled, as I say, Sacred uh, Preface, which is odd because it's a book about a preface, <laughs> a book about the uh, Mangala Charan, or the auspicious invocation, or in maybe English language, the the preface to his book, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Here he's writing Chaitanya Charitamrita, and, and um, at the onset... He seeks to invoke auspiciousness, kind of magically, um, if you will, to invoke the presence of the fivefold divine manifestation that is um, through which, I should say, his experience and um, Krishnadasa's in his meditation is. Uh, is extended the, uh, to to everyone to take part in. Hmm? In the words, uh, Krishnadas was of the opinion 
in, as were his predecessors, Sarup Dhammar in particular, began a doctrine, or I should say he, he uh, conceived of and expressed uh, this uh, doctrine of a fivefold divinity, pancha, tattva. It's like you have in Christianity of the Trinity, something like that. Something like that, but different. Hmm. So a fivefold um, divinity, and um, he felt, it seems, that that all those elements were required in order for the dispensation to be uh, shared with the world. The dispensation being access to the inner uh, romantic life of the Godhead, the heart of of divinity. <clears throat> and so briefly, anyway, fivefold. What are the five? So, five means that there must be the Godhead Himself, hmm? and the Godhead in Panchatattva is represented by Sri. Sri Chaitanya, who is now different from Krishna, but in a different mood, in the mood of Radha pursuing Radha's experience of himself, himself, from her perspective. And uh, that uh, love affair of Radha and Krishna I want to say the heart of divinity, you have different manifestations of divinity, you have the wisdom of the Buddha, you have the sacrificing uh, example of the Christ, and so forth. Um, so many different uh, partial manifestations of all that the Godhead must be about. Uh, um, and many of them found in Hinduism, but... Um, when we speak of Krishna, of course, then we're speaking of the, the heart of the divinity and the, and, it's a, and the romantic heart, even. So it's um, a very charming, captivating aspect of the Absolute. Krishna is the Godhead who is depicted in art, in drama, in, in uh, sculpture and so forth, as uh, only playing. This is the Krishna in Vrindavan, in the rural setting, pastoral setting, the Gopa, cowherd. He's only playing. He has no weapons. If you look at the different gods and goddesses in Hinduism, they've got a, a carrier, they've got a, um, weapons, they've got things to do, places to go. <laughs> and things to do. Krishna's uh, uh, conveyance is his feet, barefooted, and his, uh, he, he has no weapon, but his flute, <laughs> which isn't typically a weapon, although charming. Um, and so, what I'm saying is that other than the different divinities and how they're depicted, Krishna is depicted as only playing, not overtly powerful. Hmm? 
Um, but that is to be thought out, and we should, in doing so, reach the conclusion that it takes power to play, as I often say. If you want to play, you have to have some power. In the words, you give an example, if you want to take a vacation and play, you have to have some power. You have to have some money in the bank that you've saved up. You have to have some power with the company that you work for to get the time off and so forth. So, the idea is that he who is only playing is all-powerful. But it's a very beautiful kind of power then. The power to charm, the power of affection, not by order, not by command, not by law. He is most uh, comprehensively uh, presented and depicted in the Bhagavat, Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the theological sequel to Bhagavad Gita. In the Gita, Krishna is speaking. It's a window into his life, about an hour. Hmm? Of his conversation with his friend Arjun. Many things are spoken about there, but ultimately, uh, uh, Krishna is speaking about bhakti. And in the context of speaking about bhakti, well, he has to speak about himself. Hmm? I was saying the other night that the first six chapters of the Gita are all about us. It's a good strategy. Because if you write a book and it's all about what the reader is, it's a really attractive idea. First six chapters of the Gita, if we took the Upanishadic dictum, tattvam asi, tat and tvam. So, tvam means you. So the first six chapters of the Gita are all about you. Sounds like a good book. And, uh, and what's said there by Krishna about us is very, very flattering. Hmm? I mean, nobody says it like that. That you, He says, you are amazing. Ascharjavat. Hmm? Is that verse? Hmm? Ascharjavat. Paschati. Anyway. You are amazing. He says, you, you, nothing can harm you. You're, you. You cannot be nainam chindanti shastrani nayam dahati pavaka. You cannot be hurt by any weapon, burn, burned by fire, wind cannot blow you over, <laughs> water cannot drown you. You're more powerful than all the elements of the world. Hmm? Uh, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's very um, things about us that we wouldn't know by uh, other um, means, simply by observation. He wants to look beneath the veil of our material conditioning to that which um, drives the world, if you will, that which animates the world. He says, It's you, aparayam itastanyam prakritim vidimeparam. Jiva Bhuta Mahabahu Yayedham Daryatejagat is sustaining the world. As I often say, it's consciousness that gives meaning to matter, makes it matter. We make it matter, so we are infinitely more interesting and important than matter that 
unto itself without us wouldn't matter. Hmm. So we matter. Krishna says, you matter. <laughs> you're, you're important. Everybody likes to hear that. So it's a good strategy, if you will, um, uh, and a build-up to talking. It may appear then in the, seventh, in, the, in the second set of six chapters, the Gita is 18 chapters, so first six is about us, the second seven, excuse me, beginning with the seventh chapter, the second six chapters, we find the theology. First we find some psychology, hmm? yoga psychology in the first six chapters. Hmm? Then theology. So on its face it appears that in the second six chapters, Krishna is speaking about himself. So I encountered, encountered some, some, some people who had been introduced to the Gita and were reading it, and they liked the first six chapters. But in the second six chapters, they thought, this guy's a little bit vain, hmm? the way, what things he says about himself. Hmm? But I explained that actually he's not talking about himself. What? He says, Mamamaya Durataya, Mahamevaye Prapadyante, Maya Metam Tarantite. My Maya is very powerful. Only by surrender to me can it be overcome. Sutre Maniganayiva. Everything is resting on me like pearls resting on a thread. He seems to be talking quite a bit about himself. <laughs> but I said, No, you don't understand. He's actually not talking about himself directly. What Krishna is talking about is bhakti. Hmm? Therefore, the, the, in the center of the Gita, hmm, which is 18 chapters, in the ninth chapter, and in the center of the middle six chapters, which are the theological uh, chapters, uh, more overtly than others, the ninth is in the middle of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So it's in the middle of the middle. Hmm? That's where you hide something, hmm? put the secret. That's where everything builds up to the climax, and then everything reflects, afterwards reflects back on. Indeed, it is the very center of the book that is then reflected upon again at the end of the book. When Krishna says practically the same thing, twice he says this in the middle, reflects back on and at the end. And what is he saying there? This is in the chapter, or ninth chapter. The subject is, is um, excuse me, the subject is Rajavidya, Rajavidya, Rajukuyam, the secret of secrets. And the king of knowledge. And at the end of the chapter, he says, He says, This is the secret. Bhakti is the secret. So the point is that Krishna is speaking about bhakti, but he can't speak about bhakti without speaking about himself. He has to speak about himself, but it's he's really his own personal interest is to speak about bhakti. He's telling, this is the secret of secrets, bhakti, by which I am 
conquered, hmm? which I am, uh, in, in relation to bhakti, as we said last night, Krishna is a beggar. Hmm? That's very beautiful. That's very charming. Hmm? This is the weak point of the Absolute. We're describing him as the strong point, all-powerful, only playing. Hmm? And you have to play only, then you have to have power. Hmm? But it's also his weakest point. Hmm. <laughs> that means that he's very accessible. Hmm? Because in relation to bhakti, Bhagwan, the man who has everything, has necessities now. Hmm? The nature of bhakti is such and we talked about this a little bit last night. We, we, bhakti is, a, is, a, is the essence of the internal shakti of Bhagwan, that which uh, makes the leela go round. Hmm? I've oftentimes said that Brahman is everywhere, the Great One. So, if you're everywhere, then you can't move. And if you're omnipresent, it's likely that you're omniscient also, because you're everywhere, so you know everything. Hmm? But in Krishna we find he who knows everything and is everywhere hmm, seems to be walking from one place to another. Hmm? And in doubt, how can you know everything and be in doubt? But Krishna is in doubt. He has a doubt. Hmm? How can he not have a doubt? Because love is both a certainty and an uncertainty, romantic love in particular. It's a certainty and uncertainty at the same time. Hmm? Does she love me? Hmm? She loves me, she loves me not. Or wife says, you never say you love me. <laughs> so, it's there. It's a spiritual life is like this, you see. Uh, really, essentially, it is a certainty in which one feels comfortable with a certain measure of uncertainty. I'm certain that this is, is, is the most fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say last night from Bhagavatam? Yatmasam prasidati savaipumsam parodharmo yato bhakti rhoksaje oetuki apatiyataya yatmasam prasidati by which the self becomes, atma becomes fully, some prasidati, fully satisfied. Hmm? In, there's a, there's, there's the, there is the, the hope, the prospect the, the, that one can become fully satisfied in love. We're trying that. Hmm? We look for the man or the woman of our dreams. But but in the waking state, they're a little different than the dream. <laughs> uh, so try as we may, hmm? it's difficult to find the perfect object of love. So sometimes our attention goes otherwise. And then we're told by the law, it shouldn't go otherwhere. It should stay here. Hmm? So the moral law comes to try to salvage the situation. 
Hmm? The moral law, the moral realm is like a cage for us. Hmm? If you come out of the wild and you are to be domesticated, then first they put you in a cage. Reminds me of something, a very big um, blemish in the, of the scientific community, which often is critical these days of the religious uh, community, sometimes for good reasons. But uh, um, one of the arguments that's often invoked is that um, science is susceptible to change, finding new facts and altering itself. It's thought that religion is not, but that that's not that's that's it should be science versus theology. Then you're going to find the dynamism of religious ideas and and how the ideas are ongoing and developing and so on and so forth. But there was a time, at any rate, in the last century, in the early part of the last century, when um, in New York, at the Brooklyn Zoo, the biggest exhibit was a pygmy from Africa. I forget his name, but it was the most popular exhibit, and it was fully endorsed by modern modern science. That, and he was next to the chimpanzee in a, in a cage for people to come and see. And it was the religious community, actually, of the time, that petitioned to free that uh, person, the person, that human being, from the zoo and so forth. He was greatly psychologically damaged. By it, but it was a, it was a, it was a conviction of the scientific community at the time hmm, that didn't resonate with the religious community. So we can correct one another. Hmm. They're both means of seeking to know, hmm, and they can they can work together in some ways to come to comprehensive, or I should say, ongoing understanding of the nature of the world that is always in flux and. Uh, it's always new things to learn. Hmm? Um, but at any rate, I was just reminded of that. It's a little shocking. But um, because I have described the moral life as a cage and we take from the wild someone or something, a raccoon or whatever, uh, they take, uh, as a kid I had a pet raccoon and they put him in a cage hmm? <laughs> for a little while. And... Uh, so, <laughs> to tame them, in other words. So, the moral life is like this. The moral realm is for taming hmm? and training. Give you a cookie, don't do that, do that, get another cookie. This is the moral life. It, it, it cannot be, it's, it's, it's not the, what we're seeking. Hmm? We seek the ultimate good in the moral realm, but it's not possible to attain. Hmm? Because the moral life is only a shadow of the absolute good. This is the teaching of the Gita, the Bhagavad, over and over again. Therefore, even the heavenly people are, are subject to inappropriate behavior. And uh, life on the planets there don't, don't, in, don't endure. They go up to the moral height, and then again they come down. All these teachings that over and over again, uh, trying to shed light on the fact that the attempt for perfect goodness, perfect truth and so forth is not possible in the, in, in, in the, uh, in the moral realm. 
to go beyond that. Love is not a caged uh, environment, right? It's running free. We cited it last night. Trauma av kabalum. So, but the moral. I mean, I've given an example before that I found a, a spider, a web, a fly, in a web of a spider, and so I naturally sought to free the fly from the web. But the spider then disappeared just at the time as a thought came in my mind, and so there you are. That is material life. You want to free the spider from the web, but then you take the spider, the fly from the web, then you take away the dinner of the spider. Hmm? Problem. In Madhavan, in our ashram in Costa Rica recently, the devotees told me that we, we, found, we saw a, a snake with a frog, a small snake, baby snake, but with a baby frog in its mouth. And we... <laughs> We, you know, it's like, that's the whole, that's the, that's the, that's it. That's what the world is like. What to do? How you solve this problem? It's not solvable. Hmm? That's the point. By political arrangement, by social welfare, philanthropy, and so forth. Hmm? Is there treatments to the, to the, of the, of the symptoms that, 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 lose sight of the, uh, the, the cause. Hunger is a problem. How you solve it? By feeding people for a few hours only. Then it will come again. Hmm? So what is the root? What is the problem of material existence that we have to get to? Hmm? So a thoughtful person, a sattvic person, with sattvic insight, hmm? they will lose impetus to attain the perfection, the real sense of good within the limits of the realm of morality. And, 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 and that person then is, is in a teachable moment hmm, to be introduced to the idea that there's, there's, there's life beyond, beyond law. Hmm. Love knows no law. Love knows no reason. It transcends reason. So this is the love life of, 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 of Krishna depicted in the Bhagavad. And as a lover, he has, this is God with a necessity. It's a spiritual necessity. He's, Krishna's Brahman as everywhere, but appearing like medium size, and and in Nyaya, then school of thought, in Indian philosophy, you have the the infinitesimal and and the, the infinite. So you have two ends of the spectrum: unlimitedly small, unlimitedly large, and then you have the the, the term medium size. So. <laughs> that's like us. We're like medium size. Hmm? Um, <laughs> um, and and what is infinite and what is infinitesimal? We don't we don't know. Hmm? We don't know what these terms are. 
but they're important for us to know, actually. Hmm. Krishna describes himself in the Gita as anorani, um, infinitesimal and, and infinite at, at the same time. Hmm. So, to go beyond these, these polar opposites that just don't, these contradictions, how you will rise above all the, the very contradiction that material life is. Again, the, the frog with the snake, and it's a contradiction, how you solve it. Hmm? So we know that uh, you cannot solve it by knowledge. You cannot solve it by action. As I said, by action, well, you take the frog from the snake's mouth, and then what? Then what will he eat? So one man's funeral is another man's festival. What to do? So what action? But about by knowledge. By knowledge. Knowledge will cancel action. If I'm moving in the world in, in, in pursuit of making a comprehensive solution to its problems, I, I'm moving in relation to a moving goalpost. To use a Football example. The goalpost is always moving. <laughs> so, uh, so again, someone may become wise and think this movement is foolish. Hmm? It has no end. If I step down here, it will come up over here. If I step down here, it will come up over there. So, what do you do when you when you start to see this? That means you're coming to wisdom. Hmm? You thought you could get the full meal, hmm? just around the corner of satisfaction, then you realized it's only a carrot. It's a con continuing appetizer. Nature is offering an appetizer only. And if you just eat appetizers, you can only get indigestion. You don't get a full meal. You don't get nourished. So with a little wisdom, you stop this movement. Hmm? So knowledge as I'm speaking about it, cancels out action. Hmm? So, then in pursuit of solving the problem, rather than through movement, through action, we seek to, to solve the problem through, through knowledge. By closing our eyes in contemplative life <laughs> and pretending it's not happening. Hmm? The extreme forms of jnana Mark, deny the very existence of the world, like Advaitavad, Shankar. He closes his eyes and says, it's not there. It's not there. <laughs> so no problem. There's only Brahman. <laughs> no problem. It's a philosophical closing of the eyes, for sure. Hmm? But uh, absolute spiritual monism. There's only Brahman. But why do you have to say there's only Brahman? If there's only Brahman, <laughs> why do you have to even make the statement? Hmm? By careful examination of the philosophy of Vaitavad, the conclusion should be you have nothing to say, hmm? nothing to do. Hmm? That's an extreme form of, of Gyanmarg, of course. But to one extent or another, the Gyanmarg is denying of the world. Knowledge is is then putting an end to action. And action in the world 
in one sense, is ultimately the pursuit of the good or the pursuit of satisfaction, the pursuit of love. Hmm? So knowledge says, hey, that's not happening. That's not happening. Hmm? The man of your dreams, your Prince Charming, will turn into a couch potato. Hmm? It'll be very boring. Uh, it's not happening. If, if, if the, there are only appearances. Here today, gone tomorrow. Hmm? So, such is the nature of the world. So to pursue enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure, that is a folly, that is ignorance. Hmm? Ignorance is driving the action. Knowledge cancels out that movement. Hmm? But again, that's more or less like closing our eyes to the problem. And it's also denying the very core uh, sense that we have of what life's about, that there is something, there is, there is love. And they did live ever, happily ever after. Hmm? You see, you don't need the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, it's good to read, but you could just go to the movies and you can all understand it all. Maybe if you read the Gita first, then go to the movies. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Movies, the theater is, 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 is in India, in the arts, then uh, uh, we call uh, rasa, hmm? bharats, rasa-shastra, hmm? secular rasa. The idea is that the arts, through drama, through music, through poetry and so forth, the limitations of the human experience hmm? are are extended. Hmm? They're extended. So the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. Hmm? And one can live happily ever after. It's possible. Hmm? So all this cinematography, whatnot, I mean, it, it, well, much of it, I should say, is the, and in the Indian, in the arts, it was very much the idea of extending the possibility. Hmm? It's catering to, in other words, the sense that all of us have as humans that there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. There's more. Hmm? It's catering to that. It's speaking to that. Hmm? And the more, of course, it's us. This is the point. It's us. And we're different than what we thought we were. Hmm? We're an Atma. Hmm? And there's a prospect for the Atma to love, otherwise, what is the meaning of it being constituted in part of Ananda? Satchit Ananda. It's sat, it exists. Hmm? It's not subject to transformation, it's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's chit, it's cognitive, it's the basis of knowing, the ground of knowing. The, um, what was the word I was using the other day? The sub substratum of knowing hmm? the self hmm? it exists it knows does it have a purpose to love ananda hmm? ananda hmm? knowledge of the Futility of material pursuit in, in terms of pursuing enduring happiness, which we're all doing, hmm? 
and the moving away from the taking in the realm of karma that material life involves is not by any means the full face of love. We, we be, we exist, we are sought, we are real, we are chit, we are knowing. You could have an existence that was unknowing, like matter. But you cannot have a knowing without an existence. So sat follows chit. Hmm. If there is to be chit, excuse me, if there is to be chit, there has to be sat. Hmm. Arguably there could be sat without chit, but there cannot be chit without sat. You cannot know without something to know. Hmm. But you could have a knowing existence that was not necessarily a loving existence. Hmm. But if you have a loving existence, then there must be knowing, hmm. and there must be, well, existing. Hmm. So Ananda is really the main you know, feature of the Atma, in a sense. Hmm. And as we were speaking last night, there are different faces of the Absolute that correspond with the different constitutional uh, elements of the self, the sat, the chit, the ananda, brahman, paramatma, bhagavan. Hmm? I've often said, following the, what I'm saying right now, that in Gyanmarg, the idea is to be joyful or to love existing, to love being, because now you are being or existing in a way that constitutes knowing that you don't die. That you're all of those things that the Gita said you were, that we spoke about earlier. End of all fear, end of all anxiety. No anxiety, not even the social anxiety of how will I dress, how will I look, how did I come off in that conversation? If you're real comfortable in your body, then it's not a problem. But <laughs> but for many people it is, and so many other anxieties. Our life is pervaded by some type of fear and apprehension and so forth. If you knew, if we knew the extent to which we existed, all that fear would dissipate. Then you could say, I'm loving this. I'm loving being like this. But loving to be is one thing. And it's a, but it, it, it's, it's powerful. It's, a, it's extraordinary, as I'm saying. But it's not much of a loving. If all you're loving is I love being, okay. Have, have a nice be. <laughs> be, love it, fine. Hmm. But there's another side to the, the reversal side of that. Of course, comes when we go to the other end of the the equation and we put Ananda first. So it's one thing to love to exist, another thing to exist to love. It's it's just a small change of the words, but wow, there's a huge difference there. Loving to exist comparatively will seem selfish and narrow and small compared to existing to love. Loving to exist is small, existing to love is big. How big? Wow, that's really big. Hmm? That's bhakti. It makes it makes knowing look small. Hmm? Hmm? Gyan means 
We cannot solve the material problem by movement, by action, by karma. We perpetuate the problem, as we've explained. The more you move, the more you become entangled. And I've given an example. When I was a kid, we used to watch the Tarzan movies. And so, inevitably, someone would get caught in the quicksand in the jungle. And then Tarzan would swing in on a rope and say, Don't move! Because he's moving to get out. But yeah, he's just going down and down. And when she gets whatever up to the neck, then Tarzan comes in and pulls Jane out and, <laughs> and, uh, and so on. So the more you move, the more you go down. We need, we need help from outside. Hmm? Help from outside. Perfection will not arise within imperfection. And there's no imperfection in perfection. We have to redefine perfection for it to be so. We have within us an innate tendency towards perfection. It's the whoosh in basketball. It didn't even touch the rim. It just went in. Everywhere we're, we're leaning for, looking for, Perfection. Little glimpses of it we get. But we are surrounded by imperfection. Imperfection and impermanence. If we were impermanent, then we would not seek... We would not be troubled by, by, by impermanence. We're not. If we were imperfect, inherently... There would be no drive for the for perfection. We're surrounded by impermanence and we want to counteract that. If we were impermanent, then we would fit. You understand? There would be no problem. But we're not. It's not a good fit. And our drive for perfection also says something about us. Self is perfect. It's imperfections, uh, our perception only, in relation to to a world of imperfection, where consciousness and matter can't. It's apples and oranges; they can't quite uh, combine. Hmm? So. To love to exist, to exist to love, these are two very different ideas. They include one another, but the, the way that it's arranged is, is very different. Hmm? And bhakti means to exist to love. So, we cannot solve the material problem by movement, by action, by karma. The more we move, the more we go down. The more we, It's like you borrow money from the bank, and you go home, well, I got all this money, but you got to read the fine print. Right, you owe way more money than what you borrowed. So this is material life. So one starts to get wise. They stop borrowing. They pay all in cash. Pay less taxes that way too, and so on. So this is an attempt to get out of the problem. Gyan is kind of a cheating, like not paying your taxes. You understand me? Gyan, knowledge, is an attempt to get out of the problem of action. Hmm? But it doesn't recognize fully that, that there is 
someone that we're beholden to. Hmm? You don't want to pay the taxes. It's like a prison break. There's two ways to get out of jail. One way is to break out. The other way is to do your time, acknowledge the government, hmm? and that you can live a healthy life as a good citizen in relation to the to the social order. Hmm? That is more troublesome to do in one sense, but it's freer, right? Because you know you're not looking over your shoulder every time the horn blows or you hear a siren. You know. So the prison break, this is Gan. The world is a problem, I can't solve the problem, so let me close my eyes, pretend it's not there, or let me break out of it without acknowledging its, its source. In other words, love, if you love someone, then you want to serve them. So in Gan, where is the service? You're loving to exist, but it's like a lazy man's life, right? Just sit quietly, and but you don't want to take any trouble. Love means to take so much trouble, but the beauty of love is that there's there's no trouble in that, hmm? <coughs> isn't it? We say the labor of love is a labor, and mother is perspiring. Hmm? and trying to take care of the child and so forth, but, but it's, it's not an issue. Hmm? So Gyan cannot solve the problem. Gyan is, 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 is unto itself, after all, karma is governed by, by, by rajas, rajaguna, the doing, to improve your situation materially. Material perfection, that is oxymoron. It doesn't exist. The Rajagun leads us to believe we can improve the situation completely. Some Rajagun is good. Improve a little bit. <laughs> that will be good. Hmm? But at an end unto itself, that is a folly. Gyan, hmm? on the other hand, this is the influence of sattva. Therefore, Gita says sattva is it makes excuse me happiness excuse me is derived from sattva knowledge from sattva. But rajas and sattva they are two of three gunas strands of a rope by which we are bound to the world. So sattva cannot free us from the world. Rajas cannot free us from the problem. Hmm? By sattva we can, we can hide away from the problem and shut down action as far as possible and become a breatharian only, living in the cave. Hmm? But without acknowledging the government, if you will, hmm? and the fact that your, condi your material conditioning in itself implies that, that, that you're not everything. Hmm? You've got a, you're not the whole, you, you're, you've got a problem. You're not, 
You are like this, the spark, obscured by the smoke. You're not the fire. If we were the whole thing, then we wouldn't have the problem. Yes, we're godlike, but the like is an important part of that. <laughs> not entirely, otherwise we wouldn't have the problem we're in. So we can hide like this, but Gan is not a comprehensive solution. Action cancels out cancels out knowledge. And knowledge cancels out action. And these are the two tracks on which the world runs. To take from the world and try to own it or try to give 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 up all the things that I've identified with and thought were mine. That seems more noble than trying to take than steal it. If I say it's not mine, I give it up. Therefore, Gyan has some nobility to it. But who it belongs to, that's another thing. And if the problem with for the Gyani is if you bring into the picture who it all belongs to, I've got to go to work again. I've got to become active again. But this action of bhakti, that is different. Bhakti includes action and it includes knowing. Whereas action unto itself, karma, cancels out knowledge and knowledge unto itself cancels out karma. So in bhakti we have the wholesome picture. And the contradictions of life, the contradiction that life is, materially speaking, that cannot be resolved by action, as we said, Taking this, the fly from the spider's web doesn't solve a problem. It just perpetuates the problem. It just moves the problem from one shoulder to another shoulder. Hmm? Knowledge, ignoring the problem, shutting down, that doesn't solve it either. Hmm? But love has the power to resolve all contradictions. That's a fact. And that we experience on our you know, relative, in a relative sense. In love, one's faults, another's faults, those who you love, their faults become ornaments. M- mother named her blind son Padmalochan. You understand? Mother named her blind son, blind son means his eyes, you know, they put glasses on, dark glasses, because eyes don't look like anybody's ha- there. But she was blinded by affection for her son, so she named him Lotus Eyes, Padmalochan. What is reality? Hmm? Better the mother's reality. <laughs> that is more beautiful. Hmm? She is, the, the, the faults are becoming ornaments. So love has this power, and we experience it, relatively speaking, in, in this world to one extent or another. Hmm? Now, if we can hone the love that we are a unit of, we can solve all the problems. So in love, Bhagawan, Sri Krishna, is the perfect object of love. And in him, there are contradictions. They're resolved, but they're there. He has all, all powerful, but he is weak. He's all powerful, but he's weak. He's all powerful means that, as they say, he's only playing has nothing to accomplish. But his very movement is being orchestrated by bhakti. Brahman is not moving, but Bhagwan is moving. And what is he moving in relation to? Krishna is moving in relation to Radha. She is bhakti. 
Bhakti Devi. Hmm? Bhakti has the power to do the impossible. Here, the contradictions are resolved. How can something that is everywhere move? How can someone who knows everything wonder if Radha loves me or not? That is the power of love. Both things are there at the same time. And it's really not a problem. It's very charming. Indeed, it's not a problem. There are the contradictions, but they don't, they don't in themselves present a problem like the contradictions of material life do. They present a solution, really. A comprehensive solution to material life because in the, the, that Krishna is all-powerful is important part of the solution. We have to have someone in our life who's capable of resolving the problem, who's not part of the problem. So Bhagwan is not part of the problem. Sattva, Rajas, they're part of the problem. Hmm? Krishna is not part of the problem, on the one hand, we need that. And that he has a problem, we need that too. Hmm? So if we didn't have a problem, there'd be nothing for us to do. Hmm? So he has a necessity, because gopikas have taken his heart, he needs a heart. So we can give him our heart. Hmm? This is bhakti. Bhagavan Sri Krishna has he's all powerful, but he has a problem. You say, listen, why should I give money to build a temple for God? God has everything. Hmm? I should feed the poor people. Why should I feed God? He has everything. God doesn't need a temple. You can say, yeah, that's true. God doesn't need a temple, but you need a temple. So why I need a temple? God is everywhere. That's true. God is everywhere, but when was the last time you saw him? Or acted as if he was there? You can say God is everywhere, but you don't act like you see him anywhere. You're acting like he's not around at all. Hmm? You wouldn't act like that in the temple, right? I was doing kirtan once, and a gentleman from India, he said to me, Swamiji, I think it's very nice, but I think that spiritual life should be private. And Therefore, I not a, very much uh, don't like the kirtan. It's loud. Spiritual life should be private. I said, not, not public. I said to him, really the fact is that in spiritual life there is no difference between the public and the private life. That you should understand. Hmm? In the private life of Krishna, the private life of Krishna, where his necessity is so great, hmm? Radha has refused to to uh, allow him to, uh, to 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 meet with her. His necessity is 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 very great. Hmm? This is Lila. At this time, he's has a great great need. Hmm? There's some hope for us. We could <laughs> we can supply something here. Hmm? We can chant her name and pacify him and so so forth. Hmm? Yeah. His these is the, these are the private moments of God. God, as I said before, in existential crisis. Hmm? This is what this book of Chaitanya Charitamrita is about. Uh, of course, it's about the preface of that book. God in existential crisis. Hmm? God is saying in the book. Of Chaitanya Charitamrita through the pen of Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. 
I am Bhagwan. Everybody is, I'm the perfect object of love. Everybody worships me in different ways, in different cultures, under different names and so forth, the religious people. But there's something that nobody knows. And that is that that and you can't say it too loud because it will turn a religious world upside down. That everyone sees me as the perfect object of love, but Radha's love is driving me crazy. Hmm? So, so I am the worshiper of Radha. Hmm? Don't tell anybody. That will turn the whole world up. Yogis will think, what? Am I meditating on Krishna? He's got a problem. What? Hmm? And Radha, of course, she's not the type to say, is me. No, that's not. Everything, only glorifying Bhagwan. Hmm. But Krishna is coming as Chaitanya to broadcast her name. Hmm. And his own, and speak about his own vulnerability. His private life has become his public life. Hmm. This is a very great opportunity for us. He's making his private life public. Hmm. Because of the madness of his private life, the thoughts, the most introspective moments of of the Godhead. This is the subject of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He asks the highest theological questions. Typically, theological questions are asked about God. Does God exist? If he does, he must be like this or like that. Here's God asking theological questions. What is it about Radha that drives me mad? These kind of questions he's asking. And and in his madness of his introspection, this is like in a theater, if you come out on the stage and then you move to the right and you go off stage and you keep moving, you're going to come out on the other side. Hmm. Right? If you go too far left, you come out on the right. So he's going so far in, hmm, within, in introspection, that he's coming out in full view of the public in a in a way that he's not even recognizing that he's there. Hmm? Once Pujapad Sridharmarsh, my Siksha Guru, uh, he said, I, by my nature, I'm a backward-pushing person. I like to stay in the background, not to be in the foreground. I said, Guru Marsh, you were stepping like off stage into the background, so far back, but, but you don't know it, you're coming out on the other side in public view. You have to acknowledge that and give shelter to so many people now hmm? who are coming to your your veranda. Hmm? So many people come. And he said, yes, and Swami Marsh has sent them. Your Prabhupada. <laughs> I, he's, forcing, he's dragging me out. But Bhisadant Sosri Thakur told drag him out, try to drag him out for preaching. And even in his absence, through you, he's doing that. Chaitanya Dev, when he came back from Jagannath Puri to, to, to Navadweep, hmm, the hometown boy, Sri Chaitanya Dev, he had become Sri Krishna Chaitanya. At 24 years old, he became a big sannyasi. And older, elder, the Paramananda Puri, Keshav Bharati, these old 
senior sannyasis, they were frightened by his renunciation, the measure of it. And so the, the stories about him in Bengal, our, our boy, Vishwambar Mishra, he's become Sri Krishna Chaitanya. He's converted the king of Jagannath Puri, conquered the south of India by his, by his, by, by his, his dancing and chanting, his kirtan. When he returned to Bengal, the whole place was in constant celebration. Krishnadas says, when he went across the Ganges, everyone followed him. Hmm? That the Ganges became so full of people that the other people walked on their heads to get to the other side. Hmm? And he stood on the balcony of, uh, he, he, of, of one house and, he, and, and all the people that were in, uh, on, uh, down below were singing, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. He turned to Sri Vastakra and said, What are they saying? What are they chanting my name? And Shiva said, You are like the sun after rising in the morning trying to hide himself. Hmm? You cannot hide from them anymore. Accept who you are. Hmm? So now you are the hidden avatar. But it is the devotee's business to bring you out. Hmm? Expose you and tell the world what you represent. Hmm? You represent the private life of Bhagavan Sri Krishna being made available, access to being made available to everyone. Hmm? A very extraordinary uh, story, if you will. This is the story of, of, of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? Yeah. How to enter the private life of Krishna. Hmm? And and how to reach the, 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 the most intimate core a- access to that private life in in in, in 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 divine service, and correspondingly, how to get his full attention. Hmm? That is the idea. You love someone, then you serve them, and of course, naturally, their attention goes to you. Hmm? So it's a very beautiful uh, story, hmm? and well supported. Chaitanya Charitamrita is by so many uh, texts that every point that he raises in Bengali is supported by citation of the Bhagavat, for example, Srimad Bhagavatam, the Gita, and so forth. So it's, it's a particular take, if you will, on the sacred texts that we call Gaudiya Vedanta. Hmm? It's very beautiful and very charming, as you can see. It's profound, thoughtful, well-reasoned, scripturally supported, as many traditions are of Vedanta, but it's more charming. Hmm. idea the idea of the love life of Krishna the Leela of Krishna Leela Madhurya that is different than Narayan's Leela can anyone tell us any of the Narayan Narayan's Leelas which comes to mind to you most it's hard to even think what Narayan Leela some avatar Krishna it's the only Leela hmm? not only Krishna is only Leela but Krishna in Vrindavan is only Leela the term Leela play really in its full sense only applies to Krishna in Vrindavan, not even Krishna in Mathura, not even Krishna in Dwaraka. Therefore, the Bhagavatam does not use the word Leela to describe Krishna's actions outside of Vrindavan, only in an indirect way when he 
effortlessly slays some demon in the context of establishing dharma. Indirect way. The full sense of the term applies only to Vrindavan. This is the focus of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. From, from deep within Vrindavan, this is where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is found, in the most introspective moments of Krishna. So, exploring himself and the nature of love, and love, the solution to the problems. There, there are contradictions, but they aren't a problem. His power and his weakness, his necessity at the same time. How can he be, have a necessity and be all-powerful? That is the nature of bhakti. It harmonizes the two, and both are good for us. You understand? He has to be all-powerful, and he has to have a necessity. He's all-powerful, and he has no necessity. Then, What has need for us? <laughs> no need for us. That We're stuck. Because unto ourselves, we cannot remedy the problem. Not by action, not by thinking about it, by knowing, but by bhakti. And bhakti what makes his life go round. And bhakti, really, Bhagawan descending as the embodiment of bhakti. That is Sri Krishna Chaitanya. So Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami was commissioned to write about this, and particularly about the later pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that we call the Madhya Lila. In the Leelas of Chaitanya, where he, he teaches by example how to enter that Leela. This, he was commissioned particularly to write with emphasis on that. So the middle section of the book, Madhya Lila, is larger than both the Antya and uh, the Adi Leelas combined. Sadhus in Vrindavan asked him that. The, 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 the early Leelas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Navadvip, they were written about extensively by Vrindavan Das Thakur. Hmm? That's important. Therefore, Krishna Das repeatedly refers to Vrindavan Das. Why? Because he wrote before him, but his book is more complete, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, theologically, but in Chaitanya Bhagavat, the Navadvip Leelas are emphasized and played out in great detail. And that represents the prayojan, the goal. The goal through the Madhya and Anti Lila, where Mahaprabhu is teaching external bhakti and internal bhakti, respectively, in the Madhya and the Anti Lilas. The goal that's to be derived from following what he teaches by his example there is what? To enter into the Navadvip Lila. Where Sri Krishna Chaitanya is is Vishwambar. Nimai. There's no distance between the devotees and himself by a stick, by sitting on a higher seat, by extraordinary transformations of ecstasy that cause you to step back from him, all that we should find in the Antilila, Madilila. No powerful renunciation of a sannyasi. Can't get close to anybody, the sannyasi. Hmm? That's why I'm always asking people to sit closer. It's lonely up here. <laughs> Got to be careful. Obviously. Otherwise, they'll be suspicious. In Navadvip, everyone can get close to him. Go hand in hand with him and do Krishna Kirtan in Gorlila. But Krishna Das was commissioned in this way to write, and he wrote 
his book is very important to us because it shows us the way to enter there. And entering into the kirtan in the house of Srivas, Rasa Kirtan with Mahaprabhu, then you will be transported to Vrindavan. Hmm? Gorlila is the way, and Chipuchipachitamar used to say, if you come to the door of Vrindavan and they ask who sent you, he said, I've come through Gorlila. Come in. The doors are open. Right away, come in. No problem. Hmm. Oh, Hare Krishna, come in. <laughs> that story. Come right in. Hare Krishna. Yes, yes. Hmm? So he rode on the banks of the uh, Radhakund, hmm? and this book, Sacred Preface, of course, is just a commentary on the first 14 verses of Chaitanya Charitamrita, which are the auspicious uh, preface, the Mangalacharan. So I've titled the book Sacred Preface because it's about, it's a commentary on the commentary of the 14 verse preface to Chaitanya Charitamrita, in which, through poetic verse, some of his own uh, and some that he borrowed from his predecessors, he describes this five-fold uh, divinity, the Panchatattva. We, we're just talking about one aspect of it so far. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, hmm? who is the Godhead himself. Hmm? Other ingredients that are necessary for the dispensation, in the opinion of Krishnadas and his predecessors include not only the personality of Godhead, but the the fact, the example of the variegated nature of the of the Paravyom, of the the Abhakuntha, hmm? um, and and also the realm itself. So Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Prabhu Nityananda. Nityananda means the, the Prakash, the expansion of the Godhead within the Paravyom. What is the purpose of the Godhead expanding within the spiritual world? It's another thing to expand, to enter into this world for our deliverance. But why expand within the world in different forms? Such is the variegated nature of the, of the realm, hmm? and the realm itself, of course, is is the um, um, at the root, if you will, the sandini, the superexistence. This is Balram. Balram is the first the expansion of Krishna, the emotional content of Balaram is slightly different than Krishna, the same person, but a certain aspect of the emotional, a certain amount or measure of the, the emotional content of Krishna is personified as, as Ram, Balaram. Hmm? Friendliness, hmm? and, and more. So, it speaks, Balaram speaks about the variegatedness of the spiritual world. Hmm? And the realm itself, the supporting roles. If you have a leading actor in the drama and leading lady, hero and heroine, hmm? okay, we've got Krishna. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we've got Radha and Krishna. We're all set. No, hold on. Hmm? And it's a big hold on. 
It's a huge, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. There needs to be the supporting actors and actresses. It cannot go on without that. Hmm? Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself repeatedly said, do not misunderstand Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? When Mari Gupta came before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu, he came, he paid his respects to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then to Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you are supposed to be a man of etiquette, you know nothing. Mari said, what? Hmm? He said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Murari went home and his dream, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared before him worshipping Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? First the Guru, then the God. Murari hmm? could understand what is the position of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? We cannot do Krishna Bhakti without Guru Bhakti. Hmm? Guru Bhakti is an Anga, a limb of the body of Krishna Bhakti. But if you reverse that and make Krishna Bhakti an a limb of the body of Guru Bhakti, Krishna will be more pleased. Hmm? That's very peculiar. Hmm? Krishna loves his devotees. Can't blame him for that. If we love his devotees, then he will certainly love us. Hmm? So in this fivefold divinity, we have the personality of God, it's Swayam Bhagavan, and the, uh, the concept of his expansion, particularly Nityananda, and then all the other expansions and all that they involved and so forth, that the port, uh, uh, personifying different aspects of Krishna, different faces of Krishna for different types of love and so forth. Hmm? And then we have Advaita, so we have the expansion in the material world, in the spiritual world, it tells us something about its nature. All the Sambandha Rup Bhakti, Balaram presides over. Hmm? All this is the supporting role. Sakiras, Dasiras, Vatsaliras. Balaram all in charge of these things. Hmm? You can't have Parakya without Vatsalya. Hmm? You cannot have Krishna running off secretly with the gopis unless someone is someone is trying to militate against it. Hmm? You understand? The elders don't want young boys and young girls to run off together. So, Vatsalya and Madhurya, they're in opposition to one another. But that opposition, again, all the contradictions are resolved. The opposition is good. It makes for the Parakya. Sakya also, it's favorable. You need a friend that you can vent to. Hmm. that you can present your problems to. Hmm. I don't know. She's never satisfied. <laughs> or whatever. Or the other way around. He is just such a... wants all the tension. So, need a friend to talk to sometimes. <laughs> so, Sakiras is there. Vasudasiras, hmm. Vatsalya. So, Nityananda Prabhu representing this. This is part of the whole package. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes with Nityananda. It's not insignificant that he comes with Nityananda. It also makes available the Sandon Pandarupa Bhakti. Hmm? Particularly Sakiras, it, it shows itself in the Sampradaya here and there. Hmm? 
And what was Nityananda Prabhu doing in Gorlila? Hmm? There is no one in the Gorlila who did more to bring attention to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is about, hmm? to anyone and everyone, dragging people by their hair to, to, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, boldly proclaiming hmm, that his name should be chanted and so forth. Hmm? And very powerful, without any scriptural support or anything, you just come out with it. Nityananda Prabhu. He's giving all attention to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the gift that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give, and some people just happen to get caught up in what he's about, too. So, he's all about Sakyarasa. He's fully the, the fullest friend of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, as what is the friend? Gadopakari smritidapriyanam. Gadopakari smritidapriyanam. The friend is one who reminds one of his beloved. Hmm? This is the best friend. Gadopakari. The, 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 the best upakari. The best friend is the one who reminds another of his or her beloved. It's a nice statement. Um, this is Nityananda Prabhu. This is what he does. Hmm? Assisting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But in the context of doing this, hmm, his own sakiros is, is somewhat contagious also. So some people will be caught by that. Hmm? We see that in our Prabhupada very prominently. Be caught by that. It comes, it appears here and there in the Sampradaya. You cannot do away with that. The Nityananda Prabhu is here. <laughs> Nothing to do away with. That's very beautiful. The main focus is Madhurya Rasa and a particular kind of Madhurya Rasa also. That gives us the most access to um, to Krishna in, in romantic sentiment. The most closest access that, that to what Radha is experiencing. Mahaprabhu is Krishna coming to taste what Radha is experiencing and to give the, the opportunity for others to come as close to that as you possibly can without becoming Radha, which you can't. Hmm. So, first person, Chaitanya of the Panchatattva is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who's the second one? No, who's the second one? Who's the first one? Who's the second one? You're just nervous. You know yeah, the answer. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just We're talking about him. Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? Krishna and Balaram. No, the second one is Nityananda. Then, third, we have the expansion in the spiritual world. Now the third one is coming to this world. The expan- the Abhutara coming to this, appearing in this, in this realm. Abhutara, from up to down, crossing. That is Advaita. So, we need Krishna... Hmm? We need Balaram, that's sure. Hmm? We need Chaitanya, we need Nityananda. And we need compassion. Hmm? We, we, need, we, we, need, we need the avatar. Of course, they're avataring, but <laughs> they're descending. But Advaita is the, is the primal avatar. Hmm? Primal avatar means that in Vaikuntha, we talked about this a little bit last night, Narayan is surrounded by Siddhas. 
There's no scope for compassion. Nobody needs to be needs salvation. But to give salvation and show compassion is a form of love. So in order for this form of love to also be uh, part of the Godhead's experience, there needs to be a corresponding world that needs salvation. So with the desire to be a savior, then he's such a son called, so there's a world. If you say, you know, it's a world of suffering, and this is a big, you know, theological problem, there's a world of suffering, and then there's God, and then, you know, why did he make a world of, of suffering? Why wasn't he more compassionate? <laughs> the point is he can't be compassionate. If there's nobody to be compassionate to, that doesn't need any help. So what do you want? Do you want God to be compassionate? Hmm? Or do you want no world in necessity of compassion? Hmm? Well, I only want him to be compassionate because I'm, because I'm in need. But yeah, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> you get the point. This is a, this is a kind of love. Hmm? We call it, this is called a kind of lila, shristi lila. Hmm? Shristi lila, we're in it. We we have to think of ourselves, and you try this; it will it's very powerful. As members of the dream of Vishnu, that's who we are. <laughs> You're not that important. <laughs> it's not your dream; it's his dream, and we are appearing in that. We are derived, and it's not a bad thing because of who he is. Hmm? Mahavishnu is the compassionate face of, of Bhagavan as Paramatma. And so, Advaita in the Panchatattva is representative of this. It was he who called, yes, Mahaprabhu descended, yes, Nityananda Prabhu descended, Nityananda Prabhu had to come. Why did he have to come? Because Krishna came. <laughs> so, he's going there. There's no, there's no place that Krishna is without Ram. Therefore, it said that Balaram is his clothes, his garland, the umbrella over his head, his shoes, manifesting sesh, sesh, the bottom, the support. So, if Krishna goes, Nita is there, Balaram is there somewhere. You have to look carefully sometimes. Even in Gopi Lila, he's there. He's there because he watches over Krishna like an elder brother. Make sure he doesn't do anything wrong. That's Mother Yasoda told him, you have to do that. So how is he there when he's Krishna's with the gopis then? He's there by not being there. You understand? If he was there, it couldn't go on. Therefore, he's consciously not there. That means he's there. <laughs> if I'm consciously not there, I'm there. You understand? Hmm? In an indirect way. Even there, he's there. If the older brother's there, then the girl can't be intimate with the, the younger brother whom she loves. So he steps back. He doesn't report it to Mother Yashoda. Hmm? He's reporting everything else as told, but this he doesn't report. He's there. He knows it. He wants it to flourish. He's assisting hmm? indirectly. So, we're, but... The, 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes, Krishna comes, Nityananda Prabhu automatically comes. But why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came? You could think he's got this crisis in Golok. You'd think he ought to be able to solve it there, right? But it happens to correspond with the necessity of Dueta, Narayan, to be compassionate. So, the compassionate Dueta, he, he was doing Sankirtan and he felt compassion for the people. Just like it said, Narayan was satisfied in Vaikuntha and still this upsurge for being compassionate arose in him. Advaita is doing kirtan in this house. It's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita. They're having a great time there. Only talking Krishna Kata from Bhagavat, from the Gita, doing Krishna kirtan, worshipping Madan Gopal, and then looking and seeing other people not doing this, feeling compassion for them in a big way. So we need the avatar hmm, in order for there to be Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Advaita as devotee. Right? Kripa avatar. Compassion of Bhagavan. So Krishna's coming. Ram's coming. So we got three out of five of the ingredients that we need for the dispensation to be carried out. So the fourth, then, and the fifth, they are Shakti, not Shaktiman. The avatar, the, the, the Prakash, and Swam Bhagavan, they are all Shaktiman, and then Shakti, two Shaktis. One of them is us, Jiv Shakti, Tathasta Shakti. We have to be there, right, for the benediction, for the dispensation to take place. And Bhakti must be there. Bhakti must be there. And that is the Sarup Shakti of Krishna. So these are personified as Bhakti as Gadadhar. And in the Leela, the, 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 the Tathasta Shakti as Srivas, hmm? who can be both be liberated or be in this condition, situation. So the big subject. So the book, this is all, the, 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 the Mangala Charan consists of verses about the Panchatattva. Hmm? I said, the, I talked about the, the classical ingredients of a Mangala Charan. A Namaskar verse, a Vastarindesh verse, Ashirvad verse. Last night we touched on it a little bit. We went into some detail about the Vastarindesh verse, the verse that distills the essence of the philosophy of the of the text. Hmm? Namaskar verse is offering obeisances to the deity of the text. Ashirvad verse is the verse that gives a blessing to the readers. But his his Mangal Charan extends another eleven verses. Hmm? And some of them are dedicated to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, glorifying him. To, to five of them to Nityananda Prabhu, two to Advaita, to Gadat or to Shiva. So these verses are all about the Panchatattva and all about these five tattvas hmm, that are part of in, 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 in essential for the dispensation that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent is all about. So it's a very powerful 14-verse um, invocation. Hmm? And he wrote his own commentary on it as well. So it was successful in terms of an invocation, like a magical invo invoking the presence of these persons. It was successful in the sense that they were so present in the verses that it caused him to write an extended auto-commentary on, on the verses. 
they really moved him. You can see that. He, he, he wrote down the verses and then, and then they spoke to him in such a way that there's an extended commentary. And, 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 and of course, from a literary point of view, he's putting the essential philosophy and theology in the whole, all in the first 14 verses. Hmm? He wants to give the ground, the philosophical and theological stage on which the drama will be, will be performed. Hmm? After that, he introduces the players in so many verses, comparing them to branches of the Chaitanya tree, so many devotees, and then he begins the story hmm? on, on this stage. So, it's, it, it merits in our time, uh, was my consideration, then a commentary on the commentary hmm, of Krishnadas. Because we have a commentarial, uh, you know, history and tradition. Hmm, and that's important, that, that commentaries are ongoing, um, that they may bring out the... Because a commentary is written at a certain time, and when you write something, then you think, who's going to hear it? What are they going to think? What are their arguments to be? And you try to answer them. But times change, and new arguments come, and so forth, and new thoughts, and currents of thought. So the commentary has, commentarial tradition has to continue to keep it alive. Hmm? And so, indeed, in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there are about, about eight or nine books like Chaitanya Charitamrita that are sacred biographies hmm? by associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who started lineages. It's almost like to be a Vedantan, you have to have a commentary on Vedanta. To be a Gaudiya, you had to have a sacred biography about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that spoke about him from a particular angle, hmm? like Das, from the angle of Sakiras, from like Krishnadas from the angle of Madhuri Rasa, and so on and so forth. Hmm? And in these books about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, these sacred biographies, they constitute over a hundred thousand verses about him. Hmm? See what the influence he had at the time. These were literature, literate, literate people, obviously, writers, thinkers, poets, artisans hmm? of the time. Hmm? A hundred thousand verses about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm -hmm. How much he moved them to, to, uh, to, and then to try to speak about him in poetry, so that they, they, he could, the more that he is, hmm, that could somehow be conveyed. Like I said, walking on the heads of people to get to the other side of the Ganges to see him. This kind of poetic device and so forth is trying to tell us something about what is the. The book, Chaitanya Charitamrita, it means the, the, the Chaitanya, Chaitanya means consciousness, Charit means character, Amrit means Amrit. It's the fountain of youth, end of death, the nectar. So the immortal character of consciousness, not just the difference between consciousness and matter, Ahambramasmi, that is a very boring idea. This is the bold kind of statement of Chaitanya Charitamrita and Bhagavad. Ahambramasmi, that is very boring. Hmm? What is that verse? Shrotam Dure Harikatamrita. The sounds of the Upanishads like Ahambramasmi, they are very boring. Hmm? 
They're very far from where you can arrive at by Harikata. You can be peaceful by those sounds. But we are not interested in peace without love. Peace and love we want. Peace means no trouble. Love means trouble. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. But that we want. There's, a, there's another kind of peace in that that you cannot get from peace alone. We want both. There is something to do. There is someone to serve. There is someone to love, and you've got to find somebody to love. It's an old song. Mm. And if you can't be with the one you love, then you love the one you're with. Right? So it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. We should. It's uh, everybody's talking about it, whether they know it or not. They're all talking about these things, song, but whether they know it or not. So we're just trying to clarify. These are not. These are these are self-evident truths that we're um, discussing, playing out the implications of them. So, hundred thousand verses about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and this was the final of the sacred biographies, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So he had Krishna Das the advantage of all the sacred commentaries and verses, biographies that came before him. So. It's the, uh, the final word, if you will, of the tradition in terms of the um, the different ways in which to understand and appreciate and connect with the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting book and uh, it's available through, raise your hand, Dulal Chandra is marketing them for the ashram here, so please try to. You're going to sign copies too? I will sign a copy if you, if you want, yes. Certainly. So, thank you very much. Question? Somebody told me that a book was $20, and if you signed it, it was $50. Can that, can that be right? <laughs> Sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was, um, I'm just thinking, um, you're talking about compassion in the spirit. Are you implying that there's no compassion in the spiritual world? And the reason I ask that is because Srimati Radharani, in my mind, is the source of that compassion. And she wants her mandaris or her psychics to experience somewhat of what she's able to experience. Thus, she's imbued with that, that mood of compassion. So when, when the Lord desires to, to taste what she tastes, thinking, what is this? She's experiencing something I don't know anything about. And when he does, then he breaks open this storehouse where she, of her compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's what comes to the material world, right? He just distributes widely this love, this compassion that Shumatra Radharani has. So I don't know if it would be called compassion in the sense that you're saying, like, the, the desire to save someone and deliver, but she is the source of this mood, isn't isn't she? Yeah, I'll explain. First of all, when Radharani wants to bring another gopi to Krishna, rather than herself, the reason that she wants to do that is because she knows that Krishna will be more pleased in that instance, because they are all different aspects of herself. Hmm? 
Chandravali is another aspect of a self, so they're, they're partial persons, so to speak. Radharani is the full person of bhakti. So actually, um, um, when she understands that this aspect of myself will fully satisfy Krishna in this instance, then she wants to push somebody out, push some, push another gopi there, or so it seems. Hmm? That's one thing. It's a point of clarification. Uh, so that that's not typically what we mean by compassion. Hmm? Although I can see the way you're thinking about it. And, and, and she is called the compassionate nature of Krishna. But, yes, that's a fact. Radharani, who is Bhakti Devi, is the compassionate nature of Krishna because the way in which Krishna's compassion is shared and extended to people of the world is through Bhakti. Hmm? So through bhakti it is extended. Krishna is compassionate, but he is compassionate in relation to his devotees because he's completely captivated by them. He can't think beyond them, practically. He knows the mechanics of the suffering of material existence, but it's, it's not an issue for him. Just like you know that insects suffer, but you're not you know, giving it a second thought for the most part, right? You, you're aware, but something else is driving your life. Hmm? And it's not the fact that insects are dying, even if it's on your windshield. You just kind of like spray them off. Hmm? So the suffering of this world is not driving Krishna's engine, hmm? but Radharani is driving his life. And his emotional life hmm, is all derived from that. It cannot be derived from our suffering because if, if his emotional life is derived from our suffering, it would mean that he is experiencing our suffering, which would make him not part of the solution. Because if he's experiencing the suffering of material existence, then, well, he's not transcendental. So the impassibility of God is a tenant of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? That he has no experience of material suffering or material happiness, which is bo both of which are undesirable. Hmm? He has knowledge of it, but he has no direct experience of it. And direct experience of it, of the suffering of another, gives you uh, motivation or ability to be, to be compassionate. Hmm? You can be compassionate in an indirect way, understanding the me me mechanics of it. Hmm? But, you know, somebody says, I'm suffering with depression, and you say, well, it's not so bad. Cheer up. You, know, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't get it, so you don't have any experience of it. Like, I have no experience of, you know, material depression, and clinical depression. And that's why I've met people that have, and I was able to learn mechanics of it and, and be convinced that it's... But your first reaction is to go, you know, hey, everything, it, it's not so bad, you know. Or tell a joke or something. Cheer somebody up. But it doesn't work like that, right? So, but if you have experience of it, that's why in psychology, then the, the, the you know, traditional method was like, down, like, guy lays down on the couch and tells his problems, and then the psychologist or psychiatrist tries to enter in, right? To experience it. Hmm? And then be able to be part of the, part of the solution. So God, Krishna can't can't do do that. That would be a problem. Hmm? 
Because then he'd be part of the problem. He'd be experiencing material suffering, and that's that's illusion, and God's not illusion, so we can't do that to him, hmm, theologically. But he has to be compassionate, so this is a theological problem. Otherwise, who cares about him? You know? So, in the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the way this is resolved is that through bhakti, which Krishna is captivated by, and which makes his emotional life constitutes his emotional life because bhakti is constitutive of sarup shakti, not his maya shakti. Hmm? So it's one with him. Hmm? It's not achit, asat, nirananda. It's one with him, his sarup shakti. You understand, right? So he never goes outside of the influence of his sarup shakti, means he remains atmaram, self-satisfied. Hmm? He doesn't get any satisfaction from the material from material nature. She's posed at a distance, right? So, but there is a problem in material existence for the jivas. And and so, the way in which the compassion of Bhagavan is extended to the jivas of the world is through bhakti. And Radharani is the personification of bhakti. So therefore I say there's a little Radha in every devotee. The devotee is the Kripa Shakti of Bhagavan. Hmm? And particularly, the devotees in this world have experience of suffering. So they can be empathetic in a general way as well. Um, but, but yes, I mean, Radharani is the compassionate nature of Krishna, but understood in relation to this world, then it's that Radharani, Radharani is represented in all the devotees, the Ladini Shakti. Hmm? in them, and they are abodes of compassion. It is a secondary quality of bhakti itself from the vantage point of the ashraya lambana, the devotee. Krishna has compassion. That's one of his qualities. It's true. Hmm? And he's compassionate to his devotees. Therefore, paritarnaya sadhunam vinashaya duskritam dharma samsapanartha. He comes to the world for his devotees and shows compassion to them by bestowing bhakti and giving himself to them. Hmm? That's what he does. And secondarily, dharma is established, and so forth, and, and the devotees extend that, they teach, they preach. and So he is compassionate in the spiritual world. Radharani is the personification of that compassion, and it plays out in this world through the lives of the devotees, who are extensions of his very self. Does that help? Yeah. That compassion to break out into the material world is what you're describing. Yes. How does it get out of that closest? Well, that's it. it, it, yeah. it okay. That's avatar. That's why I say the avatar principle. Hmm? Um, so, the example in Chaitanya Charitamrita is that Narayan is surrounded by muktas. Despite that, still, the desire to, to give mukti is is present in his existence. So there needs to be a place. Similarly, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna is, is surrounded with the Braj. Lok, he wants to give it to people. Hmm? He wants to give it to people because people are approaching him for different reasons. It's not really doing much for him, for eternity, for lawful type of bhakti and so forth. And so some desire there but then how it plays out hmm, through his devotees. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna as a devotee. Therefore, he's Mahabodhanaya. 
when he's in the bow of a bhakta, he's com- extraordinarily compassionate. He was compassionate for the he had compassion for the for the insects in Chaitanya Charitamrita for the trees. He wanted a method that would resolve their their problem. So devotee and and and, and God are one in a dynamic sense. So you can't have rasa without without love and the object of love. So in the Beda Bed, the devotee is also Krishna in that sense. So and, and that's where his his compassion is and Radharani is the pinnacle of devotion. So how does it break out into Rat Have I explained it? Yeah. 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 I mean, because we see the, 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 the avatars come, right? So many avatars come. And they, I mean, we can say every contact they have in the material world is with actually an eternal liberated being. But it appears not so. It appears that Krishna, when he comes, he mixes with people that are not <coughs> eternal associates. It appears. Like he visits with a hunchback or... We know that they're actually someone, but... Yeah, but, but see, but the point there is that he's reacting interacting with them in relation to bhakti. So he's being moved only by bhakti. But in the context of being moved by bhakti, certain things have to be done. He has to protect Vrindavan. Hmm? So he goes to Mathura. Hmm? In Mathura he goes to Dwarka. What is he What is he doing that for? For for Vrindavan. He's serving the devotees. In because if Jarasana comes with all these troops into Vrindavan, it will be a problem. So it's his motive. Hmm? He's only in the circle of bhakti. Yes, and in the and bhakti interacts with people. Hmm? Bhakti interacts with people, and Bhagwan's grace is extended in that way. Yes. Well, I'm not. I, I, uh, following on the Narayana's question, uh, how could Krishna want to give Vrindavan? Because he's been. He's not thinking of himself as God, per se. It's Narayan that's thinking that he can bestow this compassion, and therefore this happens. But the very unique experience of sharing the Dhamma is a different um, thing altogether than, you know, compassionately bringing someone to Vaikuntha. It's arising in Krishna. Krishna is God too. I mean, he forgets that he's God, but he's also God. So he remembers that he's God sometimes as well. So, speaking from the from the somewhat of an Aishvarya perspective, I'm God, hmm? and people are approaching me for different reasons, and it's not doing anything for me. I should tell them about the people who are actually doing something for me that really me- mean something to me, that are interested in me, what I'm about. And what Krishna is saying there when he narrates like this, he's saying there's these two sides to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's Bhagwan and he's Bhakta, both. Hmm? So he, sh- he shows some aloofness from the world and he shows compassion for the world, both, depending on which way he, he goes. But it, but Or some indirect compassion. There he's speaking indirectly. I should... In one sense, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna is speaking like this. I wanted to show, give Braj Bhakti to the world. He said, He wants to give the devotees of Braj to the world. They love me. They're so nice. I want the whole the whole world to know them. Hmm? Something like that. <laughs> they're so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I, I should glorify them. 
He wants to glorify them. Where is he going to glorify them? They're not going to listen. Hmm? If he starts glorifying them, doing kirtan for them. If Krishna starts doing kirtan for the gopis in Vrindavan, that doesn't make anything. He can't do that. Say what? But he comes to the world as a sannyasi, then he can sing the glories of the gopis. That's what he came for. Hmm? And all the people of Braj. All right, so what's the time? Okay, we have a little bit of kirtan. Uh, now? Okay, the kirtan will accompany the arti. Sri Chaitanya Chaitamrita ki jai, Sri Gorada Madhava ki jai, Gor Bhakta Brinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi. Bhakta Brinda Chupurai Swami is Maharaj ki jai.